It is the early 20th century in England. Lawyer Arthur Kipps is sent to a dreary, isolated village to retrieve and handle the documents of the recently deceased Alice Drablow, who was the owner of Eel Marsh House. Upon Arthur's arrival to the small village, he is immediately treated as an unwanted outsider, as many of the villagers disapprove of his business there, but he doesn't know why. When Arthur finally is able to bribe his way to Eelmarsh House, he quickly discovers that this decrepit house and village are haunted by a specter only known as the Woman in Black, for whenever she is spotted, a child in the village dies. Arthur works tirelessly in the house in Marsh to try to rid the town of this horribly ghostly presence, but will his efforts be worth it in the end? Spoilers ahead for the Woman in Black, you have been warned. Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by Megan to talk about the very fun movie from 2012. We are talking about the very spooky, The Woman in Black. And Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today, um, especially to discuss a movie that is uh, one of my favorite horror movies, and I don't really say that much. Um, and... <laughs> and I love Daniel Radcliffe as an actor, so this is going to be great to discuss today. <laughs> okay, we're already off to a good start. Yeah. I'm really excited to get into Daniel Radcliffe, this movie, and everything. <laughs> well, Megan, thank you for coming on. This is um, we've been kind of in contact for like a year, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we kind of met through these. When you're podcasting, you kind of get sucked into these fun little like podcasting networking group messages mm -hmm. sort of and that's kind of how we yeah, met in there yeah yeah instagram yeah, yeah. and uh so would you like to tell the folks about your show or any other sure. upcoming projects sure so um i was a part and i, I say this in the past because um we actually ended it this past year um was it retrostatic radio um and it's it's still up um so people can find it on apple spotify um basically wherever you listen to podcasts or <clears throat> like we used to call it a radio show because what we did was we recorded re-recorded old radio shows um so from you know sci-fi ones like x minus one to comedy like duffy's tavern or um our miss brooks which originally starred eve arden and for the listeners who might not know who she was, she was the principal from Greece. Um, so oh. she has that very distinct voice. Um, so that was something that she did back in the 50s. Um, we also did some horror episodes that were from Suspense. We did a few Dragnet episodes. So it was a lot of fun um, to do. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, AJ, Carrie, and I, who used to work on the show, um, just worked personal life and got really, mm -hmm. really... Uh, intense so we unfortunately had to end the show but um again it's still out there so if anyone wants to listen to it you can that's retro static radio um and we do think that we're going to have some future projects in in the very future um nothing in like the near future but i just wanted to say that we aren't completely over with maybe another possible po podcast or radio show but um i'll just plug what we have out there for now 
and if people are interested, I will include a link in the show notes to to like the the Apple or Spotify link sure. for for the show yeah, Retrostatic thank Radio. Thank you. So today we are doing a horror review for the movie The Woman in Black from 2012. Um, I, I this was my first time rewatching this movie since 2012, Me and it was too. so much fun <laughs> revisiting this movie. So Megan, I wanted to ask you on Twitter. I made a post asking for people what were some other horror movies or uh, haunted house movies that people liked, and you replied going talking about The Woman in Black, mm-hmm. and that's. You and I, that's a message. You say, hey, would you like mm-hmm. to come on and talk about this sometime? Because I actually really do like that movie. Um, what, what's your history with The Woman in Black? Sure. So um, I, I had seen the movie, you know, like commercials for it and that. And um, I didn't see it in theaters, actually. Um, I had watched it. Um, it was, let's see, I was around 20. Oh, it, so it was like the end of 2012. It was my fall semester of my junior year in college. And a guy mm. that lived on my floor in my dorm, he was a huge like horror movie buff. I mean, he had like a whole stack of like horror movie DVDs. And I remember being in his room and just kind of searching through. And uh, I saw he had the woman in black. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, can I watch this? And he's like, yeah, sure. Borrow it. He's like, I don't care. And I was like, okay. Um, but I just was very interested in the movie, first of all, because, um, I, obviously I had known Daniel Radcliffe through the Harry Potter, uh, of course, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> um, and so I, you know, liked him from that, but I also, because it had like ended around that time as well, I wanted to see him in a different role. And this is a completely different role. And I'm so glad that I did see him act in this because that kind of started me to where I'm like, wow, he is really like one of my favorite actors that I have. Mm -hmm. And since then I've seen him in different uh, movies of his and like TV shows. And it was just, it was great to see him in that light. So me being a fan of him and just the, just the whole um, movie itself looked interesting because I like the like Victorian Edwardian aesthetic. So of course, like to see it as a commercial with like the, you know, the old home and everything. I was just like, oh, this is, this is my type of movie. So that's what intrigued <laughs> me with it. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this movie is, it's so good. It, I remember seeing the trailers for it when, when this movie actually came out when I was a senior in high school. It was like, it was when I was like graduating when mm-hmm. it came out. And I remember the trailers really got me. Of course, Daniel Radcliffe was a big pull for this. And I was starting to get more and more into horror. And I love I originally kind of started started out watching more like ghost stories and ghost hauntings and things like that. And so this genre really kind of grabbed me for that. And I actually got to see this in the theaters. Um, I, wow. <laughs> I, I'm such a humbug. I'm such a hermit. I normally don't really go out mm-hmm. that much, let alone to the movie theaters. I know I host the movie podcast, but I just want to stay home. Um, but <laughs> um, this was only one of two horror movies I've seen in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And my experience was just insane. Um, there, I took my little cousin with me. My little, I mean, he was like thirteen, I think. So he he wanted to go see this, and uh, we went to go see it. And the funny thing was, there was a girl that he knew from his class in the in the theater with us, and she sat a row in front of us, and she was not having a good time during this movie. <laughs> She was like just bawling and crying so much through this movie, and this is a very intense movie for someone that you know isn't fond of jump scares or yeah. anything super yeah. intense. <laughs> 
so yeah, I've, I've always, and when this movie came out onto Redbox back when mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. had to leave their house to go rent movies, um, I rented these like my friend you know, yeah. did. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was exactly. News to me before someone mentioned that they were like, "Oh, no one has DVDs." I'm like, "Like what?" <laughs> I was like, "I am a DVD player. What are you talking about?" <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I felt weird this Christmas. I was buying a bunch of Blu-rays for myself. I was like, like I wanted like, like a have DVD a little collection, me, okay? Like, yeah. Someone said they were like, it's, it's a Blu-ray. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a round disc, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, when when this came out onto like Redbox, I rented this movie so much that summer when it came out. Like I've the, the, the two thousand the summer two thousand twelve, I rewatched this movie a bunch. Oh, you're And brave. this was my first. <laughs> when I watched it alone in my dorm room, now mind you, this was like at 10 a.m. in the morning. I watched it. I hadn't watched it since I watched it this past Sunday, which was nine years ago. So I oh. have not seen it since then. It scared me the first time. I was like, it did its job. That's it. <laughs> so you're brave. Yeah, this was, this was my first time rewatching it since then, since 2012. Oh, okay. So this was... Got it. I wanted to get into our discussion of whether or not it holds up and what's still good and effective about it. Before we continue, I want to go, uh, let me go over the credentials of this movie. So The Woman in Black came out in 2012. This movie was directed by James Watkins, screenplay by Jane Goldman. And this movie is an adaptation of a novel by Susan Hill, which came out in 1983. This movie stars Daniel Radcliffe, Karen Hines, Janet McTeer, Sophie Stuckey, and Liz White as the woman in black. I love that they found somebody whose last name is White to play the woman in black. I find that so funny. Uh, <laughs> this movie had a budget of $17 million. Its opening weekend, it made over $20 million. And worldwide, it made $129 million worldwide. So that's, that's pretty good for, you know, a 90-minute a horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's not like a huge cast either. You know, there's only like a handful right. of characters in this. Um, this was uh, this movie was produced by Hammer Film Productions. You know, which made all those awesome classic, uh, you know, Hammer films, those Hammer monster movies. You know, with oh, the, I didn't know the that. Mom- yeah, so okay. it was so cool that this uh, movie got to be part of that. Wow. Uh, you know, famous and historic British production company. Um, I think it was their first movie in quite a long time i think i don't have like the actual like dates on that but it's um it's their i think it's their highest grossing movie for hammer so i just love that it's kind of part of that family and everything and um it was just so awesome to see daniel ratcliffe Mm -hmm. break out Mm -hmm. of harry potter because this was a year after deathly hollows part two came out yes and that's what i loved too was like even just watching it again um just a few days ago was to where i'm like I even when I saw it back in 2012, I'm like, I didn't even think of him as Harry Potter. He did so well to just be this, you know, young father with a, a son, like a little boy. Like he went from student in like a wizard <laughs> world to, you know, a lawyer father and that with a child and getting haunted, like complete yeah. opposites. And he just, he really did a great job to where you can tell to me is where that's acting. That's great acting right there. Mm-hmm. And it's really impressive too, because like a, ma- a large majority of this movie is just him walking around the house yes. by himself, not saying a word. Yes. It's that's true. That is true. There, there is dialogue, but there, 
is like I didn't even think of that until now where I'm like yeah a lot of it is just him walking around the house not even like talking to himself right. like he says zero words yeah. like when he's alone yeah. I love the devoid of dialogue mm -hmm. for those moments because it it doesn't it's intense yes. right exactly it doesn't break <laughs> the tension for the audience yes. and it lets you assume what what you think his like inner monologue is what mm -hmm. you think he's going through because you can only assume so much from his facial expressions and the actions he's doing but the whole time you're you're still kind of like supplanting your own thoughts onto right. him because right. he's not saying any thoughts right and you're just like waiting you're just waiting mm -hmm. for something to happen so let's get into the subgenre categorization of the woman in black so I feel like that there's a lot of things that kind of seem obvious about this movie, but um, I want to hear from you. What are some subgenres that you think that this movie is sliding into? Yeah, I think um, definitely like supernatural, paranormal, ghost type of movie. Mm -hmm. um, your haunted house type of movie. Uh, I think like a just you know that classic haunted house with the you know the ghost or even just the um, like a cursed village feel too. Um, plays a role in it so those were kind of my thoughts with like the curse and the old house that's isolated um it's so interesting about i like what you said about the the cursed aspect yeah. of this because I, I agree with you that this movie in this town specifically has this cursed feeling because it is kind of being plagued by this the, the titular the woman mm -hmm. in black but the the story does a way of not explaining her the source right. of her power right. she's not a witch Right. She's not this supernatural being. She's just a ghost right. of a woman. But how is she? It's it's interesting because there is no sort of like, I don't know, ritual or anything to for her there. to put this hex. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah it's, she's it's she's true. just there. It's true. It's, so it's kind of like this pseudo curse thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's a weird thing. I don't know how to categorize that, but it's very interesting yeah. to get into. Or it's like um, um, even like a like a a demon demonic type of uh feel mm -hmm. you know that she's just um we'll get more into it like in with um just maybe like our thoughts taken away from the movie but i will say like I, to me she seems more like a, a demonic type of character that just mm. um because of like the anger and stuff in her is just she just won't leave and it's just that like i don't know <laughs> i don't know how else to describe it so <laughs> I, I had this in one of my notes. Does her anger and everything that she's doing on this, does this make this movie count as a revenge story? That is a good, you know, it could be. Um, and you know, it's funny. I was thinking of this too, where I'm like, it, this is kind of one of the few horror movies that could be seen as a, a real story, like based off of a real story. Now, granted, hmm. there's like some supernatural aspect where it's like, okay, I don't know, but you know it could be a real <laughs> the whole ghost thing, right yeah. right it's like you know where this could have happened where you know someone like danny radcliffe's character he's a lawyer he has to go to an old home get their paperwork figured out there's a ton of paperwork in that old home <laughs> i'm just like oh where gosh, does it come yes. from and uh you know he just he has to go there whatever but then the other aspect is for her ghost in that is is it could be a true story for where you know she was seen as an unfit mother um mm. and uh her son had to go with her sister and live you know that way and then unfortunately what happened to the son and then she of course the mother gets mad at the sister and you know ends up uh you know committing suicide in that and it's just like 
it could be a true story. You know, this could very well be a true story, a stretch, but it could be. And I think that's what is, um, could be scary about it too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I just had thoughts of. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because like the, I don't know, because the, what's presented in the movie, I'm not speaking on uh, Susan Hill's novel because I haven't read it. Right. I I haven't uh, either. (laughs) but just what's presented in this movie the backstory for the woman in black it's kind of fuzzy Mm -hmm. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense like the whole time was going wait whose house is this the whole time i was thinking this time i'm like wait i forgot again like what whose house is this like who's the ghost and why is she mad like who is yeah yeah i was like wait so they took her son away from her okay but does she live in that house why did why couldn't she just give him the birthday cards? Right. And the, and I was thinking it was her house because in the pictures of her sister with mm-hmm. her husband and her son, you see her in the background in the windows mm-hmm. of the house. Oh my goodness, so creepy. And, like, <laughs> and yeah, which was very creepy, yes. but I was kind of just going, "Wait, what?" Yes. <laughs> yes. And and it's like when he is in that scene of where he comes back uh to the house and he sees her in the window and he goes to the bedroom it's like what was that her bedroom like did did she stay there (laughs) so yeah i (laughs) can see where there's some a little bit of fuzziness where it's like did she live there did she not i don't understand (laughs) yeah so i i will say so i did a little bit of research um i watched a couple of youtube Mm -hmm. videos that's kind of provide more context and read the wikipedia page so i think the novel in the novel her son was taken away from her because not because she was mentally unfit, mm-hmm. but because she had him out of uh, wedlock. Uh, she, okay. she was an unmarried woman okay. and the town wasn't accepting of that. Got so it. they gave the son to her sister who was married. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the okay. backstory, which is a clearer story. Yeah, I think than the would movie. Have made a little bit more sense. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, no, let's just make her seem crazy. You know, let's just <laughs> make it creepier or so. Like, I yes, guess. Which, <laughs> which is yes, which kind of... like there's a lot of things about this. Like they could have probably fleshed this out a little bit more yeah. for it to be a little bit more cohesive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of that's something I was thinking about. I was like, is this like a revenge story yeah. though? Because the people that she's enacting revenge on makes sense for the novel like the town right. but it doesn't make sense for the movie because it was her sister that took away her son right and it's like so why do you keep going after other children you can stop yeah. anytime you want <laughs> <It's> like, <just laughs> stop, please <laughs> yeah yeah i was kind of i guess that was like a knock i had for yeah. this movie it was like yeah backstory whatever but um uh, another thing another subgenre that i feel like this fault this is definitely i think gothic horror that was the mm. full intention and i really think that mm-hmm. they got that so well um it's making me want to explore more gothic horrors mm-hmm. actually my original thought going into the movie was oh yeah this is like a period piece and i'm watching it and i'm like well i mean yeah they have the costumes they have the the, the architecture and everything but I, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a period piece all the way right. and i watched um s- some interviews with, with the director and he said that he didn't want this to be a period piece he basically what i kind of picked up on was he just wanted the costumes to be accurate and some of the technology to be accurate yeah. but like we're gonna let them talk normal we're gonna let them yeah, yeah. you know we're not gonna be like heavy into accents or um 
dialects or anything like that. We're just going to let them talk normal. We're just yeah. basically, it's kind of just like a costume of what the audience would think a gothic horror looks like. <laughs> That's interesting. That's, that is very interesting. Like, um, because I said, when I think, I was just like, ooh, I like the, the costumes and everything, but I didn't even think of that um, where it would see if it should have been like a period piece or not. Let's move on to our fear analysis portion of the show. So there are what I kind of like to use as a baseline for categorizing the types of fear that movies play into. Uh, according to Dr. Carl Albrecht, there are five types of psychological fears we share as humans, which are the fear of death, mutilation, loss of autonomy, fear of separation, and the fear of humiliation or shame. Um, we could, we could kind of just use that as a baseline, but, um, feel free to branch off of that if you want to, but, um, basically what, what to you, what kind of fears do you feel like this movie is playing off of and what about it is scary? I think there's quite a few in here. Um, so like the fear of ghosts would be one. Um, but I think like just the fear of, um, the unknown, the fear of loss, the fear of, Mm losing your loved ones um death obviously but i think the huge one in this for me was just the you know the loss of children especially um and just family members because a few times they keep mentioning how they you know want to they'll be together again which in the end kind of plays (laughs) in the movie Mm -hmm. um where you know everyone will be together or just even like daniel radcliffe's character where he um during the movie just has that uh that loss for his wife as well um so those were some of the ones that i had noticed um was just the you know uh fear of like losing uh, Mm -hmm. people yeah i absolutely agree i had that in my notes about for the there's definitely like this fear of death Mm -hmm. but it's specifically the the fear of you losing loved ones specifically and you know that's obviously you know from daniel radcliffe's character arthur you know the loss of his wife and eventually he starts to be fearful for his son and the townspeople are all fearful mm-hmm. for their 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 children and of course the the woman in black uh, which i did not get her name <laughs> uh, i believe uh, it's Jan- so i thought it was like jeanette but i think it's Jan- jeanette janet 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 one of yeah, those think- yeah janet mm-hmm. like the way that it was spelled I, I- and then when he said it i'm like to me, it still looks like it's Jeanette, but I think it's like Janet or something. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Jeanette being, she also is a character, I feel like, that sort of embodies this loss of, or I'm sorry, this fear of losing your own autonomy. Yeah. Because yeah. not so much in the decisions that impact, you know, her own person, but she had her, like, you know, her, her motherhood taken away from her. Because she was deemed mentally, you know, unfit. And it's kind of this loss of autonomy over, you know, her control over her son, who she should feel some sort of control over, you know, in raising them and taking care of them and loving them and everything. She had that stripped from her. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely loss of control over, you know, know, your, your children, your loved ones. Because she had that taken away from her, it seems that that's how she's plaguing this town. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I felt like a poignant example of that was the 
the the daughter that was kind of locked away mm-hmm. in the basement. Yes, that scared because... me. That scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you saw her, I got creeped out. <laughs> oh, I, I love it whenever like you know you're looking through the peephole oh, and yeah, it's it's in. great. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I love that like the scary thing. It's just a it's, it's just a, a girl. Yes, it's just yeah. it's just it's just a little girl. But um, the those her parents are trying to they are making the decision to keep her safe mm-hmm. down there mm-hmm. and they're that's them you know literally acting on trying to keep her safe from the woman in black but it's kind of like their decision to shelter her away from the world didn't matter because daniel radcliffe arthur saw the woman in black mm-hmm. and by the rules of this movie if you see her she comes to town he saw her quite a few times so that's, <laughs> he did not help them at all <laughs> No. <laughs> like, see why they were pretty upset with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also definitely playing into the fear of separation and isolation, mm-hmm. too, especially with the Eel Marsh. Yes. Because it is the, where the so road, separated. Like, where the marsh just goes over it in the tide. And it's like, I feel that, um, not to interrupt, but your, um, no, your no, point no, with like, the, uh, the marsh times and that, I feel like it's, like a timing type of thing where they're like, well, I'll come to you, but by this, because, you know, the tide is like controlling them. Otherwise you're just going to be on this complete isolated Island. And yeah. that's where I was like, well, that's really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it. Cause you know, it, it really just kind of writes in, you know, you know, to be scared when you're on this marsh, you know, to feel a little bit of relief when he gets off yes. of it. And that's like the movie literally gives you breaks when he, whenever they he do. leaves the marsh, yeah. you can feel a little sense of like, okay, I could take a, I could take a deep breath yes. now. <laughs> yes, it's true. I, I love how he, you know explain the water going over the road and him being separated mm-hmm. from help. Yeah, it to, mm-hmm. to me it was a very good metaphor for grief mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, he is a person that is grieving the, the loss of his wife. And of course, the uh, Janet or Jeanette, she's also, you know, she was grieving the loss of her son. And I feel like that this marsh kind of really kind of is a good metaphor for grief because there are times when, you know, you feel connected, you, f- you feel mm-hmm. okay with everybody, but sometimes there's, there's something that will kind of trigger you and you kind of fall back into that grief and depression that's when the water comes over the road and you feel isolated on there and you're kind of stuck thinking about you know your your lost ones and i felt like that was a really good metaphor for exactly what he was going through as a grieving widow oh that's a good that was a good point i didn't even think of something (laughs) like that wow that's that's a good one right there (laughs) well thank you thank you that's like an english class type of thing where you could ask the director so is that what it meant no, it just went over a tie, but okay. Like, no. It's also, but it's also kind of like that meme where it's just like, it was, it was just a road that flooded. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, that's all it The was. curtains are just okay. blue. Yeah, like, that's all. <laughs> what else did you find scary about this movie? Um, yeah, I think uh, definitely like the jump scares. Um, I'm someone who is weak with jump scares. <laughs> like don't get me in those intense moments um you know he's plagued with those yes even with like the um like the crow in the because be- you really don't see her 
I noticed that like she didn't come in the opening scene. I didn't even realize that like the opening scene opened like that with the three little girls and her behind, like she's standing there and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) But, um, you don't really see her until yes, he sees her in like the cemetery area, but like officially until like about 40 minutes into the movie with like the hand and the window and, which is just great. Yes. And like, it just smacks and it's like, Oh, okay. And like, even just seeing um, her face in the window, but my scariest has to be the rocking chair scene and the nursery, anything that happens in that yes. nursery, you know, is going to be intense. Like I, yes, that rocking chair scene, as soon as like, I, I like heard the rocking chair going in there, I'm like, here we go. Okay, here we go. I'm preparing it's myself. So, it's so good. Yes, I have to agree. The rocking chair was, well, that jump scare specifically yeah. when it's rocking yeah. and then she like Shows she's up. in the chair. Mm-hmm. That was the jump scare that got me the most in this movie. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so, it, it, I'm not even mad about it because normally jump scares kind of like tick me off a little bit. But this was just so good. I loved it. And mm-hmm. uh, just the, the build up because as he's walking closer to the room, the rocking chair mm-hmm. It's, it, it's in the same rhythm as like a beating heart yes. and oh, it's just so good. I love and it. And it doesn't stop when he goes in there. It keeps that's, going yes. and then all of a sudden that's <laughs> when they show her face and it's like, I wasn't expecting that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. There's something that's interesting about this movie is that it specifically is trying to scare the audience, not so much Arthur. Yes. Because there's so yes. many times where we see her, but he doesn't. Yeah, and he just doesn't really seem fake. Like, even the rock, I mean, he walked into a room, the nursery that was locked beforehand, and then he just randomly, okay, now it's open, and here's a rocking chair rocking by itself. And he didn't really even seem phased by it. And I was just like, I would be out of that house. <laughs> like, if I were him, I would not be in that house. But he just kept going back to it. And and my one thing I did notice was where um his friend that he met uh that Mr. Sam. Daly yeah Sam Daly was where he says don't go chasing shadows Arthur and I love that line because it's true he did end up going to chase her but it's like it didn't scare him or anything which I found interesting yeah, yeah it's it's really interesting because it's kind of hard to gauge his own paranoia in the house. Yeah. Because I mean, I do like towards the end yeah. of of the night. I do feel like he is ready to leave, yeah. but just because again, he's not talking to himself. We don't get any sort of inner monologue right. for him. He's just kind of just dealing with this. Yeah. And um, I was, <laughs> I was, I watched this with my girlfriend, and I was. I think it was the night that he stayed there, the first night he stayed there, and he it's right after he I sees. I you say first night he stays there, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like a few nights. They're like, okay, <laughs> just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he sees all of the ghosts of the children in the front yard, oh my which was that the yeah, kids that was... didn't realize how scary they were again. I'm like, oh my goodness! Anytime they showed up, I was scared. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I don't know if I'm going to keep this in here, but something really weird just happened. My power just went out. And poor Megan, the, the look on your face when I just went into complete darkness was priceless. So we had to take a little 15 minute break until my power came back on, but I'm back. Uh, that was very creepy talking about this while I was talking about the dead kids coming up to Daniel yeah. Radcliffe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, because you like just disappeared, and then your girlfriend came in, and then and I'm like, okay, they're still around, and then it's like, oh, pitch black, and then I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> am I am I watching a new woman in black right now? <laughs> No, oh. we. Ha- you should be like, no, we had that all planned for you, you know? <laughs> yes, I, I took out the power for all of Tuscaloosa yep. <laughs> yeah, <I took> it- <laughs> for my, my podcast. So spooky and like this creepy oh. that it happened for so, this. <laughs> sorry for the abrupt interruption halfway through this show, but I guess I'll go ahead and jump right back into with a question I had mm-hmm. about the just going over the types of fear that th- that this movie is kind of like tapping into what it's kind of playing off of this movie is a very interesting blend between terror and horror Mm. um i was having a conversation with somebody about this earlier this week the the difference between the two and terror is more about the anticipation of you Mm -hmm. being fearful of something you think something's about to happen nothing's happened but Mm -hmm. you are expecting something or the build up anticipation for it and then horror is the reaction to actually seeing or hearing something that is scary and that's what so this movie to me felt like the perfect mix of those two things because so much of this movie is me like on pins and needles just mm-hmm. going oh my god like what is he about to see was he about to find especially when he's walking through the house hearing mm-hmm. the rocking chair and everything uh is it that's what I loved about this movie, just the blend of terror and horror in this. That's an interesting, uh, like, discussion, because I've never even thought of it, like, what is, you know, because people will either use terror or horror mm-hmm. um, for things, and that's, uh, that's something to think about, because I can see where it is terrorizing because of the sounds, and, you know, you just don't know when she's going to show up, or when if she's going to show up, or, you know, especially, like, towards the end, of the movie when he's like looking down the hallway for her and you mm. know that she's usually at the end of the hallway but then at that one point she's not there and it's like all right where is she yeah. oh my <laughs> but, goodness um, yeah or, or just her like lurking behind and stuff where it that is terrorizing because it's like you you don't know what they're gonna like what she's gonna do um or what's gonna happen next especially like with the scene of the fire and the little girl and she's in the corner the woman in black and she's just standing there and it's like Oh no. <laughs> and then that horror part could be when the daughter, you know, goes up in flames. She decides to yeah. take the kerosene lamp and just put the flames over her. And that I, I can see where that would be like the horror part of it because you're actually seeing it. You're actually living through it at that point. And it's like, okay, <laughs> no more buildup. It happened. So yeah, that's actually a, that's a good, um, thing to bring up like the terror versus horror yeah and just so much like suspension too um Mm -hmm. i think because this movie does such a good job at framing framing their shots because for like everything we get so much depth of the house when arthur is walking around because Mm -hmm. we could always see what's behind him we always see down the like yeah. the, the door behind him into the next room mm-hmm. or the next room mm-hmm. over down the hallway and it adds so much depth to the house and it's you going oh my gosh like she could be like anywhere she could be right. in that little new concrete or she could be down the hall or she's in the other room and i love it when in watching this now in 2021 you know uh after we've gotten so many other 
types of ghost stories there's really um, did you watch the the netflix series haunting of hill house or haunting of bly manor i didn't know this this really felt uh, so the uh, mike flanagan made those uh, shows and this felt like such a mike flanagan hmm. thing because in those shows so much of what's really scary is that there's like ghosts in the background of the house that the characters don't see mm-hmm. but you do so you mm-hmm. you feel like you're being watched the whole time and wow. i was really feeling that in this movie i was like oh i just feel like i'm being watched in this house i yeah. don't feel alone and what is so scary was whenever what is scary about the woman in black is just like she doesn't walk she floats she yes. just glides across and it's so just uh, it's just uncanny it's like that's not human that's not what people do it just wakes right. you out even scream. more she screams all the time and then they do the up close of her face and that what terrified me the most especially like when i first saw it i had nightmares actually just years after watching the movie it wasn't even like i said i watched it that one time in 2012 didn't have to watch it again and just <laughs> even like a few years back i had some dreams that she was in and i i remember um when i saw the back of her in the opening scene i'm like that was like the same woman that was in my dreams like twice i still can remember the two dreams that i had of her and it they were very scary dreams so like that definitely like stuck with me and (laughs) the ending does not help that at all either with her face (laughs) right yeah yeah. no this this movie does not let you feel like you really escaped because no there is no escape from from her and that's something that's very interesting about this movie is that so like uh, arthur thinks that he's solved the mystery he thinks that he's reconciled whatever it was that she wasn't able to I don't know, have or complete, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this world. And he, you know, he brings her the, the, the corpse of her son and he thinks mm-hmm. I will let her go, let her have some peace, but it, it doesn't no. work. And no. that's, what's really frightening about this is that there is no solution to it. There is no yeah. real yeah. rhyme or reason. There's no way to stop it. And it's just unrelenting. And it's almost as if she's just on this endless loop, this endless cycle of like, this is what I'm mm-hmm. this is what I'm destined to do now. It's true. And I, I feel like from that going back to even like the fear of my whole thing is I think her other thing is her fear is of forgiving because oh. she just keeps going and going and going. And that's when you think about it, like when you don't forgive people, I know a lot of people are like, Well, it doesn't hurt the other person, it hurts you. And in the end she's like I know she's hurting like other people, but it's like she just keeps constantly going and it's like she doesn't want to ever forgive because that's where i think like the demonic part comes from her because she just likes to she feeds off of that like like the revenge and everything and Mm -hmm. just the unforgiving and it's like that's how you can become if you don't (laughs) forgive people and because like at the end where she's just like never forgive never forgive like it echoes throughout the whole thing you know, even after you think that it's complete with her son in the nursery, which you definitely can tell, like when she just comes in and screams at him and then like leaves, it's like, okay, you know that that's not a complete type of thing. And I think that's what's frustrating too, is that that didn't satisfy her. And like you said, she's just always going to be there. Is there's no end. (laughs) uh, I I like the point you made that um, she 
is unforgiving. She refuses yeah. to, 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 you know, forgive people. Um, does, and you're kind of saying that kind of seems a little bit more, I guess, making her like kind of demonic in a way. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like her unwillingness to forgive kind of makes her, it kind of dehumanizes her a little bit here to like it going from just like a kind of like a, a villain that we can understand mm-hmm. their, I guess like motivations and understand mm-hmm. their, their strifes and struggles that they've been through to just an inhuman monster that just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. I mean, I think there's part, obviously there's part of human in her because it is that emotion of, you know, forgiving and unforgiveness. But I do think there is that devil part of her where it's like, she just doesn't stop. Like she, I mean, even like her screaming is like, so demonic type of sounding and that, and like, just like you even said the way that she just glides, she's mm-hmm. not like a, a, I mean, a lot of ghosts in movies usually, like, are seen as floating in that. But the way that she just, like, moves around and, like, swifts, like, you know, very, mm-hmm. like, like, uh, like a shadow person type of thing where it's, like, you just see her there and there. And it's, like, oh, that's, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. It's, like, interesting, too, because it's, like, she won't, she, like, you don't hear any footsteps of her. You don't hear her footsteps because it's kind of, like, that's a very human thing. I'm above that. Yeah. I don't leave footsteps. I don't, you don't hear yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true and even just like um her not being satisfied with this being her son because then it's like do you love your son anymore like did you care mm-hmm. that that arthur you know brings your son to you and it just didn't even matter to her mm-hmm. and it's like um you know i actually i thought of my i was just like well this is gonna be stupid but i thought It'd be perfect to get like a picture of Danny Radcliffe in the nursery scene that night with like the candles around, like not show the the bed, but just like the candles around him and be like, you know, when your date like does all this for you and you don't appreciate it or something. Because <laughs> I was like, that's how I felt is that he he set all that up for her, and it just led to nowhere. Yeah, it's and it's kind of just like besides her tragedy is now his tragedy too because yeah. he wants to be able to solve something he wants to be able to fix yeah. something and it just you know it it it, it it's sad too yeah it uh, i don't have anything else to say besides it's just sad you know, know. he can't it is a, it's a thing too it's also a sad movie mm-hmm. like as i'm watching it, it's scary and it's you know it's terrifying and that but at the same time there's sadness to it mm-hmm. like even i mean there was a little bit of humor i wrote this down too with like um, the dailies, like Sam Daly and his wife, when he goes, uh, Arthur, Danny Radcliffe's character goes to dinner at their house and they bring out the boy or the kids and it's these two chihuahuas. And it's like, I think that add a little, little bit of sad humor to the movie kind of where it's like, oh, here's the chihuahuas. But like, it's going off of that, you know, fear of losing people and grieving and everything because that how his wife grieved was getting the two chihuahuas, his children, and it's just, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's a movie that plays with you. Yeah, <laughs> Like on emotions. And it's so, it's so weird because I feel like it, with the dailies, it's kind of also going into that, I guess, I don't know if it's like loss of autonomy or just like the fear of the unknown, like what you were talking about earlier, because there's this interesting kind of divide between spiritualism and 
mm. I don't know, like, I guess logic, I'll, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because Mr. Daly kind of refuses to believe mm-hmm. in the, the myth of right. the woman in black and everything. He's just like, and his reasoning for not wanting to accept that is, do I, do you really think I want to go to, you know, like bed every day thinking that my son died because of some ghost or just mm-hmm. because of some, because life is tragic and life happens. Right. So I chose to decide that it or chose to believe that it was just unfortunate events not that because some spirit drove him to kill himself so for the message of this movie i feel like that i have mostly just kind of like prompts of things i feel like this movie kind of makes you think about but doesn't really give an answer to anything really mm-hmm. um i wish that this movie kind of fleshed out some more themes a little bit mm-hmm. that I was kind of picking up on um something that i thought that was really interesting was that so there was kind of that debate about between logic reasoning and like spiritualism the supernatural mm-hmm. but we don't get a whole lot of debate about that in this movie it's just kind of a couple lines from mr mm-hmm. daly so i kind of wish we had maybe a character struggling with that more like maybe arthur Mm -hmm. struggling with that more not accepting that you know a spirit could be haunting this house Mm -hmm. or anything um but something that that i really 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 wish that this movie got more into was i was getting a real sense that there was this divide between social and economic classes in this movie Mm. because the dailies were obviously very wealthy they're they're the wealthiest Mm -hmm. family in this uh, village and they're the only ones with a car they're the only ones with a phone at a very luxurious house um so and he was rejecting though what the lay people the common people were mm-hmm. saying about hey this house is haunted we need to leave it alone he's up there in his nice mansion he's just like no that's mm-hmm. just a bunch of superstition you don't need to worry about it but i feel like that there wasn't any sort of real resolution between the classes of of that so yeah. i kind of wish we got more into that no i see that too and just even going off of the superstition part is where i think it also shows how superstition controls people's lives um you know where clearly it didn't control his life but to the people who you know were in the, like, the lower classes and that i mean even the ones that locked their daughter in the basement like yeah. that's how extreme the superstition was and even them trying to stop Arthur from going to the house, doing his job. Um, you know, I feel that that can, it can, it can, it, it, I superstition can definitely have a control, whether that's something maybe good that you mm-hmm. think you're protecting someone or maybe it's bad because it's like, well, you're, you're letting it get to you to live your life, basically. I feel like that we're also getting a moral of, why it's important to confront problems mm-hmm. and confront any mm-hmm. sort of issues you're having because I feel like the, like the townspeople themselves kind of exemplify that because they know that the marsh is haunted and they know that people going there puts their children at risk, but mm-hmm. for some reason they don't tell Arthur about it. Yeah. Like they're all just very unwelcoming and just not yes. warm and just like move, leave. But nobody like explains to him why he mm-hmm. shouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why. I didn't know if that was like a thing of them just like 
I, I just didn't get why people wouldn't tell him that. So that's another, yeah. another thing I felt like could have fleshed this out more. Yeah, because I thought the when um, I think when the fire happened, and then he goes back to the tavern, and the wife, um, like they're having the drink together. I thought she was going to explain to him what was going on, basically. But yeah, you're right. Like nobody had the decency to just communicate with him and be like, "Hey, don't go there. This is what's been going on." It's like they just kind of want to keep it you know, where they don't even want to talk about it because they feel yeah. that, you know, have her come around. And, and I find it interesting, too, how I think even going back to where, like, she's not maybe human or something, but, like, the superstition is where she she goes from the mansion, house, manor, whatever, you know, you want to call it, and which is isolated on this island and ends up in the village. And that to me is just so like where I can see maybe why the villagers are so scared because she does show up there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so funny, like how you said, where there's like, you know, no ritual, there's no incantation or something for her. She's just there. Mm-hmm. And so I can see from, from their point of view, like maybe they don't want to like talk about her or anything because they know that she'll just lurk there. They think it'll I just guess. summon her like Beetlejuice yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, so it's just like them not addressing it even with him. Like they're kind of just living with it. Yeah. But not talking about it. It's like, yeah. it's it's kind of like those, I don't know, like there's like dirty family secrets you have where like everybody yeah. just dances around the subject, but nobody actually addresses it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like even Arthur, I guess, could be where he's not solving the problem with his son, where his son is just, he's upset, you know, that his dad's working all the time and... You know, he's trying to show through his little pictures, but Arthur, I mean, he understands. But, um, you know, I, I feel that that's another thing, too, where he's maybe, like, running away from the problem when he goes to the house. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Something I thought of. That's something interesting. Yeah, it, yeah kind of like running away from him by staying at the house. Because I always wonder, why doesn't he just take the paperwork and go exactly. work somewhere else? Yes. <laughs> well, there was a lot of paperwork, so I guess. Yes. Like, I don't know. That's another thing. I don't really get his understand. job here. Like, Me either. I was the same way. I was kind of just like, I get, like, it was just paperwork. That's all you need to know. Yes. That's all he's doing yes. is he's checking the books. It's like, what, what was he specifically trying to find? And that's the thing that you never um, kind of I don't know. I got, like I didn't get that. Like I didn't understand what he was really trying to find in the house. Like, yeah, I just like getting their affairs in order. Like to me, it was yeah. like I guess he just needs the deed and the death certificates. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, I I don't know. Anyways, I was like I don't know what these birthday cards are helping you with, man. Um, <laughs> he's just I, getting nosy and stuff like that. I feel like there's some. He's just lo- getting in their business. I feel like there's some lawyer listening. Going, oh my god, there's so much paperwork for that stuff. I know. Like, <laughs> paperwork, but it, and you know, if you want to go into that too, you can say where like he's kind of like the black, uh, the woman in black, because she, he's trying to look for this paperwork and everything but you don't know what he's exactly looking for, just like you don't know what she's exactly mm. looking for in the end because <laughs> him bringing the sun to her just never <laughs> satisfies her. I don't know. Just thought of that right now. <laughs> huh. But yeah, there's just so much paperwork in that house. That's all I kept. I'm like, damn, I'm like, there's so much paperwork in like the bedrooms and the, the parlor, wherever. Yeah, I just, 
Yeah, I, I didn't exactly get his like again. Job. Yeah. Yeah. The the premise I mean I understand the premise. He's there to kind of get the affairs in order so that way mm-hmm. they can sell the house. I don't know. Anyways, I I don't want to spend too much time talking about I know, the, the, I know. the logistics of, <laughs> of, of of a 1906 lawyer. Um, yes. so it's also obviously a lot about grief and how it mm. looks different for different people. Um, I thought it was very, really shocking and kind of just a kind of punch to the gut when we open up on Arthur shaving and you see for a moment he holds the blade on his neck and you see, you just see for a, for just like the quickest moment he thinks about ending his life mm-hmm. for just like the quickest moment and that was just like whoa this movie is really heavy in you know i guess like mental health and um it's interesting you actually even pointed that out because i kind of didn't even really pay attention to that like i just saw him do and i'm like okay he's pausing but that's actually really good to point out now that i'm thinking of the scene yeah it's it's really kind of it was kind of like a i don't know kind of like a, just a punch to the gut for me i was like oh man mm-hmm. he is you know struggling through something and um mm-hmm. and that's why i kind of felt like what you were kind of explaining earlier that this sort of mission he's given himself of figuring out the mystery of this is just kind of mm-hmm. like his little sort of escape kind of just that's why he's just rifling. I mean, obviously, it's for his job, but I feel like he's going a little bit above and beyond. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But it just really yeah. feels like he was there just because it was something to really get his mind off of things. Mm-hmm. And maybe he didn't believe in ghosts, and that's why he wasn't scared of it. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's interesting because they also show when he's on the train, you know, he's looking at the um, newspaper with, like, the spiritualism um, ad, which was big like that was huge back then and mm-hmm. um like doing the seances right and it's just interesting how like and then at the end when he brings the son to the nursery he's kind of doing his own little like seance thing it now this i mean this could be saved for the end for like a rabbit hole type of thing but it's so interesting i don't know why i thought of it during the whole movie where i'm like was you know dan Radcliffe's character like was arthur trying to find his wife in the house like did he think of the ghost as like his wife but just in a different form I don't know like it's it just still I guess maybe weirds me out or that but he wasn't as scared as like we would be I don't Mm -hmm. know it's yeah it's interesting because I think I talked about earlier it's like it seemed like the movie was more trying to scare the audience which seems kind of like obvious but I feel like we didn't see him have many fearful reactions throughout Mm-mm. the movie i mean like he, he had some but right a lot of right. the scares were things that he didn't even notice that we yeah. saw and yeah. i don't know i find that very clever i don't know if, i don't know if clever is a good word for that but i just find that interesting before we close out uh i'm going to steal a question from my old show but would you th- and there is a sequel to this movie yes, but let's yeah. pretend it doesn't exist yeah. um would you like to see a sequel to this or do you think that there should be a sequel or you know anything that mm-hmm. you would what would you like to see in a sequel <laughs> sure. so i definitely will say a no i definitely think there should not have been a sequel to this um i did not see it um but i i did want to tell people they can watch it on youtube i saw it for free so if you want to watch it the second woman in black it is up there um, oh cool yeah, they just uploaded it, like, I think last month or something. 
Um, but I was looking for the trailer for it just because I wanted to see what the sequel was. And I mean, they, they seem like they did a good job with using the same house and, you know, the premise of it and that. But to me, I feel like this movie specifically, The Woman in Black, just should have ended. Like, that's it. You know that she's going to keep going. And I think that what makes it creepier and like is just oh she's just gonna keep going and that's it um i'm not a big like sequel person either (laughs) um there's very very few movies that i do like a second movie to um but i with this one i would not have chosen to do a second movie i would say kind of no well Mm -hmm. let me take that back I will say yes to a sequel, but kind of with an asterisk. I don't want, um, like, A Woman in Black 2, even though I've seen the sequel. And I remember not hating it, but that's when... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I, like, really knew how to, like, appreciate movies back then. So maybe if I were to rewatch yeah. it now, I might go, oh, this is bad. Um, but I would love to see a Mike Flanagan Netflix series, just the haunting mm. of eel marsh i would like a series of it yes, would be kind of cool i would, would love to cool. see that same style as what we've gotten sure, from that would be cool. haunting da- House, i mean yeah. i know danny radcliffe technically couldn't be in it but if right. he could be in it again all right maybe i'll <laughs> you're just like run him back you know we'll just run him back we'll just we'll just pretend like what happened at the end didn't happen <laughs> and like or hey he could join the woman in black you know they could he's haunting that that train could, station be, you know <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no i I would love to see kind of like a a mike flanagan netflix series yeah of this yeah well uh megan thank you so much for coming on this was so much fun uh where any other closing thoughts about this movie before we hop off no i think the only thing i wanted to bring up was like the very very end um was kind of like my theory or something maybe like we said before like before we recorded our tinfoil hat type of thing where lay it on um, me it's like so the scene where they're in the train station and spoiler alert for everyone Danny Radcliffe and his son end up getting killed by a train because the woman in black shows up at the train station <laughs> um so I thought of the nanny so there's like two tinfoil happens so this is my first one where the nanny they show the be- like the back of her and she's all in black and all I remembered was from Sam Daly's room was when his son was painted at the beach and there was that nanny Mm. in the black i don't know like it just i don't know if that like symbolized anything just because the nanny's back was turned and she just didn't even turn around to like look for the child his son just went out on the track i mean yeah she was buying tickets but i don't know if that had to symbolize anything maybe i read into that too much interesting it was something i I noticed Mm -hmm. um and then my second thing was at the end where um you know arthur and his son and his wife do join together so it is a very it's a twist bittersweet ending um that's how i kind of like to describe it um to where it's like you know they're now all a family um unfortunately (laughs) in the circumstances but um and then at the end when they like pan up to the woman in black all i thought was she kind of did them like a, a morbid favor where it's like she brought a family together that she knew that she couldn't have so I feel, felt like she was kind of maybe showing her appreciation to Arthur um, that, yes, he brought her son back to her, even though it was, like, his corpse. And, like, he made that attempt. Like, he never tried to cast her out of the house or anything. He just kind of left her where she was. Like, he never tried to chase her away or anything. So I don't know if 
maybe she sensed that or something. So it was kind of like, well, here you go. You can be with your family. I don't know. That is definitely my <laughs> tinfoil rabbit hole. I, I, I think thing. that she just wanted to get the kill count up. I think that she and that's just. That's true. That <laughs> could be true too. I think she's such bloodthirsty. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I like the point that you made though about the. I'm going to jump off of your tinfoil hat and add to sure. it with the with the nanny being in uh mm-hmm. being uh, dressed in black as well i'm kind of going to draw a connection here to the final destination franchise in that mm-hmm. that black is code for you know our antagonist in this movie right. and so she's able to manipulate the nanny somehow mm-hmm. to not pay attention to the boy because she could tell the boy to run onto the tracks but the nanny's going to get him and stop him so she's so i guess wherever we kind of see people donning black it's that that symbolizes the woman in black of people or things that she's able to manipulate for her sick designs of of child death (laughs) and and hey i'm not saying with my other one that she was you know warm and fuzzy in that that was just my thought where i'm like well she technically kind of gave them what they wanted <laughs> but you know and then it, of course at the end it's like they have to show all the kids and stuff and i'm like oh okay yeah. <laughs> that's why there shouldn't be a sequel no more for you yeah. <laughs> no more for her to destroy people <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well thank you megan for sharing that thank you thank again you. for coming on um was would you please uh, remind people about uh, retrostatic radio and like where all they can find it Sure, yeah. So Retrostatic Radio, um, we are off of anchor.fm. So if you do go to Anchor, you can find uh, the other places where you can listen to us, like um, Stitcher, Breaker, Apple, um, Spotify, all those main um, places where you can listen to the podcast. So if you, you know, again, we are not doing anything anymore with Retrostatic Radio. Um, There's no social media or anything. But if you do want to just check out the show and listen to it, we had a lot of fun doing it last year, so if you want to listen to some old-time radio shows reenacted in 2020 style, um, we have, you know, sound effects and stuff. Oh, and yeah, it, it's, it's a good production. I love yeah. it, yeah. We, we put a lot of um, heart into it, so I hope people do check it out and enjoy it. Megan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode on The Woman in Black. I just want to give two quick shout outs because um, every this show is new to me and new to people, but the feedback has just been overwhelmingly nice and positive. So I just kind of want to say thank you, everybody that's reached out and said something really nice. Megan, you were saying some very nice things before we started, which I really appreciate. Oh, thank and you. I want to give a special thank you to Brent of the Uncultured Opinions podcast and of, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. We just kind of just been talking on Instagram, but uh, the Tales of Point Horror Book Club or Tales Point Horror Book Club, which is the handle of Instagram that you can find them at. Uh, you guys have been super nice in reaching out and messaging me saying super nice things about the show. So it really means a lot. Um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> like I have never, ever had this discussion with someone. Thank you for letting me join you on this show and, you know, talking to the public about Absolutely. it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's so much fun just to get down and kind of like just, just geek out over some, yeah. some horror movies and people, um, I would love to continue the dialogue, so please follow me on Instagram at Brooker Horror, and you can see my new episode posts for every episode, and comment below your thoughts and opinions and everything, and I would love to continue the dialogue with you there. So, um, Megan, again, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Please share it with a friend, rate, review on iTunes, and I will see you guys next next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Bye.